1514 is a resource of the Biblical Counseling Coalition that is made possible in part by donations from listeners like you. Will you help us to continue this wonderful ministry by logging on and giving a special donation or becoming a monthly donor? You can do so by going to our website, biblicalcc.org, and clicking on the Donate button at the top. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 15:14, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Today's episode is an interview that I did with Dr. Matt Mitchell, who is the pastor of Lance Evangelical Free Church. He's been there since 1998, and Matt is also the author of a book called Resisting Gossip, Winning the War of the Wagging Tongue. And we discuss his book as well as the concept of gossip in general on today's episode. Matt is great at discussing and diving deep into the issue of gossip, what it is, what it isn't, how we address it, how we experience it when we are gossiped against. And we also focus in on some questions specifically related to gossip and biblical counseling, how it enters into biblical counseling, how we address it as biblical counselors, and how we also avoid bringing gossip into our own counseling. It was a wonderful conversation, really interesting. I hope you enjoy it. And for our BCC partners, you can look for our BCC after show with Matt, where I dug into that issue of gossip and counseling even further. Thank you again for being with us for this episode of 1514. So Matt Mitchell, thanks so much for being with us on 1514 today. Could you uh, please introduce yourself to our audience? Absolutely. I'm, I'm Matt Mitchell. I'm a follower of Jesus. He's my king and rescuer. I'm married to Heather Joy, and we have four kids, all Gen Z emerging adults, Robin, Andrew, Peter, and Isaac, a girl and three boys, ages 20, 19, 17, and 16. Exciting time to be a parent. (laughs) I'm the pastor of Lance Evangelical Free Church, which was founded in 1892, so it's 129 Mm. years old this year. I've been the pastor there for going on 23 years. And for my education, I went to Moody Bible Institute, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in the Chicago area, and then Westminster Theological Seminary for my Doctor of Ministry. And that was with the faculty of CCEF, which is where I got my training in biblical counseling. Oh, fantastic. Well, thanks so much for introducing yourself. And today we're talking about your book, Resisting Gossip. Can you just tell us why did you write this book? What was it about gossip that that got your attention and made you want to write on this topic? That's a great question. Why did I write this book? (laughs) (laughs) Probably so I could live with gossip jokes for the rest of my life. Everybody's got one. At least that's what I heard. But uh, seriously, I chose the subject of gossip because I knew gossip was bad and it hurt people. Hmm. But I wasn't quite sure what the biblical definition of gossip was. When is it sinful gossip and when is it just small talk? Hmm. Like everyone, I had been the subject of gossip and I would gossiped about others. And as I looked around for good resources on this topic, the cover was kind of bare. There were a few good articles out there, but almost no book-length treatments, and none that did what I thought the church really needed in the early decades of the 21st century. So that's why I jumped in. Interestingly, I thought I would write a book basically on ethics. When should we talk about others, and how should we talk about others? But it really ended up being a book about sanctification and starting at the heart level. Why do we gossip? What's driving that? How, how can we change? Yeah, that's really that's really helpful in, uh, to know that background, and I think that 
addresses a lot of questions, especially as biblical counselors we have, because we are dealing with confidentiality issues, and sometimes we need to get input, and when is that, when is that okay, when is it not? So how, what is your, when you, what is your definition of gossip? You said you wanted to know what does the Bible say and how does it describe it. What is your, what is the definition you came to? Yeah, so much hinges on definitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, here's my stab at putting together all the biblical data because there's a lot of biblical data and and it kind of goes over different uh, in different directions. Uh, when I pulled it all together, this is what I got, and you can tell that I'm a preacher because of the alliteration <laughs> here. The sin of gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. Mm. So I'm not talking about everything that we might call gossip, like harmless small talk, but the thing the Bible is roundly condemning. The Mm. sin of gossip is bearing bad news. So it's a talking thing and a listening thing. It's it's tail-bearing. It's tail-bearing about something bad. That's the opposite of the gospel. It's bad news. It's bad news as in bad information, misinformation, lies, or bad news about someone, something perhaps shameful and true, but shared to hurt someone else, or bad news projected for someone else, Mm. a spread story of a shameful thing that's imagined to be coming on someone else. And then it's bad news behind someone's back. So the person being talked about is not present. The communication is then clandestine. That's gossip. And sinful gossip comes lastly out of a bad heart, which is from where, as we know, all sinful communication overflows. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a really helpful, robust definition. And alliteration can help with the memory, so appreciate <laughs> that. You broke the book down into four main sections, and then you have this bonus chapter in it. Can you give us give the audience a general outline of the book? Definitely. Uh, the first section is recognizing gossip. So it's kind of trying to get our heads wrapped around that biblical, practical, working definition of the sin so that we know our enemy and we aren't floundering around. And there's a focus there on the big why question. Why do we gossip? And of course, BCC listeners wouldn't be surprised to hear that we focus on the active heart of the gossiper. Mm. Because the word gossip in the Bible is actually used more for a kind of person, a gossip, mm. than it is for a type of speech, though, though both are there. Yeah. The second section then is resisting gossip, which gets into actually how to fight it on the personal level. And there we focus on the heart again of course, and and how the gospel provides us with the resources we need. In that second section, I wanted to lay out a positive put-on approach and not just the negative put-off approach, because we know that biblically we need both if we're going to make any progress. So there's one chapter just devoted to what to do instead of speaking gossip and a whole chapter of what to do instead of listening to gossip, because both are sinful. And both both, people have told me that uh, that put-off and put-on has been really helpful to them. I wanted to provide moral imagination of what Mm. sanctification might actually look like in someone's life. Then in the third section, we go over the other side of the table, the other side of the problem. What if you are the target of the gossip? So that section is responding to gossip, and there's a chapter on responding in faith and a chapter on responding in love. And the last major section, we come at it from the point of view of someone who has already given in and not resisted and is now regretting their gossip. So it's about being forgiven and also dealing with the aftermath. And then this bonus chapter that you talked about is for church leaders with uh, like 10 prompts on how to cultivate a gossip-resistant church community. Yeah, thanks for breaking that down for everybody, because that's a really helpful, uh, obviously it shows that you put a lot of time and thought into this. And, And gossip is one of those things that is so prevalent. I think many people see it as a lesser sin, 
probably because we're all comfortable mm-hmm. with it. We kind of like it. Maybe there's some confusion about it. But I think digging into that deep shows how how significant of a problem really is. Mm-hmm. And then I, I love the approach of really addressing both sides of the gossip the heart behind it, and then how to move forward in that. Uh, one of my favorite descriptions of a form of, uh, form of gossip or um, one, one in a church I was involved with, this was one way we talked about it quite a bit, is talking to someone about a problem when that person is not part of the solution. And I felt like that helped alleviate a little bit of the, especially for counselors, like, am I free to discuss this with somebody? And I think it... Matt, compare, you know, comports with your definition. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't see this as gossip, but, um, or talking about them when they're not part of the solution. The flip side is that talking to somebody who's part of the solution is not gossip. What, what do you think about that idea? Yeah. Uh, talking to someone about a problem when that person is not part of the solution. Yeah. I think that's helpful. Um, it's problem centered. So it's probably oriented towards interpersonal conflicts. And a lot of gossip is about that. Uh, and it recognizes that sometimes we have to talk about others because we're mm-hmm. part of an effort to love them and help them. And that the opposite would be talking about someone in a way that is not loving and not aimed at helping them. Yeah. It assumes yeah. that the person being talked about is not present. So, yeah, I think a lot of parts of my definition are there. I think we can often justify ourselves. Of course, we can do that with any definition, mm-hmm. including mine, by just asserting that we're part of the solution. I'm part of the solution. So, <laughs> therefore, it's fair game. Um but as long as we're using it as a definition to interrogate ourselves, am I a part of the solution here? Mm. Then it can be helpful because I, because it gets at the heart of the, the heart motivation for yeah. the conversation. No, that's good. That's helpful. I was just, I know that wasn't in your book, but I just thought guy who's thought a lot about gossip. I just want to kind of check myself even a little bit because I've, I'm a gossipologist. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks. So you spend a a good deal of time discussing why we're tempted to gossip, but also why it's tempting to listen to gossip. Uh, What are some of the reasons bad news about others are so enticing uh, for us to listen to? Yeah. Well, that's Proverbs 26, 22. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They Mm -hmm. go down to a man's inmost parts. Choice morsels the most attractive, addictive things mm. to swallow. Well, the bottom line for that is, of course, we're sinners. You know, we love bad news because we're bad people. And that, of course, manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Mm. For, exa- for example, uh, Scheidenfreude. We get a pleasure from someone else's misfortune. Mm. Maybe they sort of deserve it. And so we're enjoying some twisted form of justice. Or maybe we just like seeing people squirm. For me, the biggest one for the listening is I like to be in the know. I like to have the inside track. I like that feeling of power of knowing what's really going on with the inside scoop. For others, we want to listen to gossip because it seems to cut people down to our size. Mm. That's motivations like jealousy or envy or pride. Give me bad news about somebody so that I feel better about myself. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a That's a lot of different motivations. It's interesting. Yeah. And obviously, like you said, it com- it comes out in so many different ways. And the human heart is very creative when it comes yeah. to uh, finding reasons to sin and, and then to justify that sin. Um, how does our love for stories relate to gossip? Yeah. Well, everybody loves a story. Uh, I think instead of homo sapiens, man the thinker or man the wise, we might be called homo relator, man, the storyteller. Mm. That's just how we're made. 
that makes sense because we're living in a story, right? God's yeah. story, his story, and our lives are made up of thousands of little stories. Stories make life interesting. So we're attracted to stories and that's a good thing. But like any good thing, it's been twisted by sin. So we're attracted to bad stories and we love to share bad stories with one another. The key is to focus in on good stories, like the greatest story ever told, the gospel. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I think uh, you know Ephesians when when we're mm. in Ephesians four when we're challenged to think about words that build up rather than tear down, and obviously lots of other proverbs. You know, the power of mm-hmm. life and death is in the tongue, and other things like that. I think that uh, is a good check for us too when we're telling stories. Is this going to build other people up? Is this is this intended to tear down? Is a helpful mm-hmm. reminder there because stories are not bad, but stories that but they're not down. neutral either this right. exactly yeah they're, they're either good or bad or they have parts of both and we, how are we using them yeah absolutely you begin chapter seven in your book with some really encouraging words uh you state you will be gossiped about <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad um, it's encouraging to you <laughs> yeah so obviously some sarcasm there but um <laughs> but your book doesn't so your book doesn't just focus on stopping gossip, Mm -hmm. um, which I really appreciated, but also addresses how we can respond when we are the target. And you mentioned that in the outline there. Can you share just some of the ways in which um, we can respond well when we are gossiped against? Yeah. Yeah. It's no fun to be in that position. I'd rather be the gossiper uh, than the victim of the gossip. Mm. Uh, But yes, we will be gossiped about, and we probably won't know that it's even happening most of the time. But when we do get wind of it, we need to respond in both faith and in love. First, faith. We have to entrust our reputations to the Lord. We cannot control what other people say about us. Only the Lord can do that. So we need to give up trying and take it to the Lord in prayer. And then secondly, in love. We need to love our enemies, which is what a gossip is to us when they're gossiping about us. In those moments, they're being our enemies. I think that's one of the hardest teachings of our Lord Jesus. Thankfully, he showed us the way. He didn't just tell us to love our enemies, but he loved us while we were still his enemies. And of course, that love looks different at different times and in different situations, depending on a lot of different factors. Sometimes it just means overlooking the offense. Other times it means confronting those who have sinned against us. Hey, I've I've learned that you said this about me to so-and-so. Is that true? What was going on there? When I heard that, it was hurtful. And I I want you to know that story is not accurate. I, I want to work this out between us. And remember, while we don't necessarily trust that person in the same way, we can be reconciled with our enemies through forgiveness. Mm, That's really, yeah, that's really helpful information. The one of the things, and I know this might be going a little bit off topic, but I think it's a question that comes to mind a lot. And I find myself addressing it with people again and again and again. And I think your discussion on gossip and how to handle it, uh, thinking about our own hearts and why it is so painful when mm-hmm. we're gossiped against adds to this conversation. But we sometimes when we're addressing people who are people pleasers or fear what others think about themselves, whether however that comes about, and I know that's something I've struggled with a lot, just trying to, I want to be liked, right? Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Gossip can be particularly painful or difficult for that person. And sometimes our counsel to people or our advice is, well, just don't care what anybody thinks. You know, it doesn't matter what people think about you. Mm. But that's also not entirely true because there are that that would throw out the whole concept of going to 
church and having fellowship and community and having counselors or people who speak truth into your life because if you shouldn't care what anybody thinks about you, mm. you shouldn't listen to anybody. Uh, so, mm. so how, and, and kind of the way I've approached this or encouraged people to think about it is we should think, we should care about, there are certain people in our lives that we should care what they think about us. And everybody right. else, we should really take with a grain of salt or caution. So, for instance, authorities, parents, pastors, um, close bosom friends, like accountability type relationships. We should care what those people think about, um, but not maybe everybody else. And, and somebody one time, I think, said it really well. If you wouldn't listen to somebody, go to somebody for advice, then don't worry about their critiques either. Mm-hmm. Um any thoughts about that as it relates to gossip? And I know I didn't, that was not a question I sent you ahead of time. So, <laughs> no, that's good. Um, and I think what you're saying is wise. Um, I mean, part of what we're getting at here is reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's our reputation with whom? Who do we care about what they think of us? Yeah. And, and it does make sense that some people would be higher on the list than others. I mean, I care what the Lord thinks about me because he's at the top of the list. Yep. Um, yep. I care what I think about me though. You know, Paul says, you know, I don't even, my conscience is clear, but I don't, that doesn't even matter, you know, hmm. so I shouldn't even care what I think about me. Not in the, <laughs> not in the final result. Um, I think that the desire is good to want to be thought highly of, but the best way to get there is by being someone of whom people can think highly of mm-hmm. not running around and saying, what do you think of me? Oh, what do you think of me? you know, uh, and, and be all concerned about maintaining my reputation. Yeah. What's important is maintaining my character. The reputation will follow. Yeah. And I think, I mean, scripture is full of the fact that it doesn't matter how good of a reputation you have or how faithful you are. There are going to be people who persecute you. We talk about, I mean, yes. first Peter, right? The whole, a big section of that book is about, it is honoring to God when you are persecuted for doing what is right. And who cares mm-hmm. if you're persecuted for doing what's wrong? I mean, everybody gets in trouble when they do bad stuff. Right. Yeah, right. that's good. Uh, the One of the questions I did send you and kind of flows out of that as well is how do we balance that pursuit of, of humility? And I think it's a related question. How do we balance mm-hmm. that pursuit of humility and the preservation of a good reputation? Like we're talking about wanting to have a good reputation that it is not wrong to want to be well thought of. Right. Uh, but not in a selfish, self-promoting, prideful way. Right. Uh, the Proverbs uh, talk about our reputations as being like a, a treasure. Um, it, it's a wonderful thing to have. Uh, but they also say, let another praise you and not your own mouth, someone else and mm. not your own lips. So I don't need to do kind of brand um, maintenance for myself. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend who... Uh, had trouble with a renter. Um, He was a landlord and the renter spoke badly about him all over town. Hmm. And he, he, it bothered him to no end. He went around town trying to find all the people that the renter had talked to and make the situation right in their eyes, you know, say his side of it. And he found that that was uh, maddening and, you know, uh, taking him to crazy town. Yeah. And he eventually said, I can't control that. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just going to, I know what the truth is. If somebody asks me, I'll tell them what the truth is. Um, but I, I can't, 
I can't uh, make sure that everybody sees it the way I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. That, that's a lot of wasted time, energy, effort, thought. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, that's a, that's a good description analogy for us to have kind of in our minds that we don't need to be reputation maintainers. Have you, again, going off topic, off, off script a little bit here, but have you seen maybe an uptick of that mentality or wrestling in the modern digital social media kind of world? Because I think so many people do talk about branding and having their own brand and having their own platform and, and yeah. wanting to maintain some, some kind of public persona or whatever reputation, even if it, you know, put in a good light. Uh, do you think that's a brings unique or more acute challenges in this area? Probably. I, and I'm certainly feeling it myself. You know, we always only give a slice of ourself hmm. in social media and whatnot. And we wanted to put our best foot forward unless we're the people that just kind of let it all hang out. And then, uh, you know, we all laugh at that or, or worry about that. Uh, oh, what do we do? With, I think people call it vague book, you know, sometimes where they say this, you know, strange thing out there yeah, on social yeah. media and you don't even know what's going on. Um, yeah, I think we're often trying to justify ourselves out there. And again, the, the point is to be, to be justified with Christ and to, and to live righteously um, and then the, uh, the word will catch up that, mm. that that's who you are. Yeah. So the, the focus is to be, be that person, whether anybody's watching or not, mm. and the, the rest solves itself. Not that it will keep the gossip from happening, um, but that you'll know what's true and, and that's where it matters. Yeah. No, I mean, and the apostle Paul's writing to churches as a guy who's being gossiped about, persecuted, talked bad about all over the place. So he can, mm-hmm. he's, he, he can relate. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, one of the other questions I send you is gossip can be particularly troublesome in ministry, um, mm. especially maybe for biblical counselors, both from a temptation standpoint, because uh, we hold very sensitive information, and mm-hmm. from a consequence standpoint. L- the lives of the people that we're ministering to can be significantly damaged uh, or I think ruined is maybe too strong of a word if we misuse that information. So how can Mm. we safeguard our hearts and our lives against this? Yeah. I think that's really insightful, Curtis. Um, You're right. And it's sobering to think about that. What a privilege and a responsibility we have to do this. Well, I tend to believe that if we just think about it and care about it, then we'll do pretty good. You know, the people I talk to who take this seriously worry about messing up, but most of the time they don't. It's those who have a devil-may-care recklessness about it that fall for it the most. Hmm. So we just need to, to practice what we preach, pray about it, ask the Lord to guard our hearts and minds, remind ourselves regularly what you just said about the pitfalls and the consequences, and then just be careful, not scared, not paralyzed into not talking with others, but just aware with our antenna up and a desire to love God and love people well in the power of the gospel. I think that goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. So are there other maybe questions that you wish I would have asked that I didn't ask you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I'm happy to talk about this one all day long. Um, some different um, false definitions or beliefs about gossip. Hmm. You know, um, a lot of us have been taught if it's, if it's true, 
it's not gossip. Mm. Um, and I think we think that it's, you know, fair game uh, to talk about whatever, as long as the story is true, but that's not actually how it is. Yeah. Um, yes. If the story's false, then it's gossip to be sharing it behind someone's back. And it's also slander, yeah. which I think is a lot of the gossip in the new Testament is coupled with slander. Um, but gossip can also be, as we said earlier, sharing something true, shamefully true for the wrong reasons. Yeah. For example, entertainment and titillation. Uh, just because the story is true does not mean that we need to be sharing it with others. Uh, I think we see this in uh, Psalm 41 when, when David was sick and his, uh, his two-faced, quote-unquote, friends came in to see him. And they were like, oh, poor you, David. I see you're sick. <laughs> and then they left and they spread the word, David's about to die. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, he hadn't done anything actually wrong. He was just sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were spreading the word. It, was, it, was, it might have even been true but they were doing it in such a way as to, to, to defame him and bring him down. Yeah. On the flip side of that, another bad definition is simply that it's gossip to share any bad news about somebody else when they're not present. You can't talk about people when they're not in the room. And that of course is not possible either. There's plenty of times when we have to talk about people who aren't there Mm -hmm. and even talk about the bad things that they've done. Parents do that all the time. Teachers have to do that. Coaches, police, of elders in a local church, and not just people in authority, but neighbors, counselors, counselees, siblings, teammates. We can't get around it. And we see it in the Bible. Paul, for example, warns Christians about other people, bad actors by name, like Alexander, the coppersmith. And these are in letters, which are now public documents. But you know that the people he's talking about weren't in the room when he wrote it or when it was being read. So we have to be careful to not give the impression that there's never a time to talk about other people. Yep. Like even in the counseling room, like yep. you were just saying. I think that's, yeah, that, that's probably one of the big areas that where I've, especially in training new counselees, new counselors, mm-hmm. that having to address that misconception of gossip is a big, big one because they do have been trained or taught their whole life. You can never talk about somebody when they're not there. It's like, you're not going to be able to do a lot of counseling if you can't. Well, it's great ever. if they're being taught that, though, because I'm I'm finding that it, very few of us have been taught anything about this. <laughs> but but I'm glad that they you, the people you're you're teaching have been taught to be careful yeah. about people that aren't in the room. Um, but I think you're right. We we it's not that we never talk about people that are there, but we always when we do, we've got to remember the golden rule. We need to talk about people who are not there the way we would talk about them if they were there mm-hmm. or at least mm-hmm. keeping in mind the fact that they're not there or, or that we would, how we would want to be talked about if we weren't there. I guess that would be the golden rule there. Yeah. Yeah. One, one other thing maybe that I've seen. Um, and, and again, I didn't ask you about this ahead of time, but sometimes part of the reason the BCC was started was to build relationships and build unity because sometimes it's a temptation uh, mm. For us, when we hear something like such and such a teacher over across the country said this in their classroom or wrote this blog or whatever, and then we run to others and talk bad about them or say things about them that may be true, maybe not true, but it's definitely not mm. out of good intention. And it's caused division, uh, even in, among biblical counselors, um, people who should be should know better in one sense, but also should be promoting unity, promoting love, promoting truth. Right. Um, how when when can we balance, or how can we guard our hearts to know when it is appropriate to quote 
you know, quote somebody who said something or wrote something publicly that we disagree with uh, and talk to people about that and share that. And where does it cross into sinful gossip or slander or something else along those lines? Yeah. Um, I always go back to the definition. Whenever, whenever anybody asks me, so is this gossip? I always <laughs> say, good. okay, well, let's go back to what it is. Is it bad news? So, uh, you know, if we're talking about ideas mm-hmm. here, we're in much safer territory. Um, it could be a bad idea that we're yeah. now discussing, and that might fall into the into the category. But it's less about stories. It's less about their person. Certainly not necessarily about their motivations that we cannot see. We can only see their actions or, or judge their words, make dis- judgments about their words. Um, is it bad news in the sense of is it is it misinformation? Like th- this isn't what actually happened. What yeah. what didn't. You know, what isn't true, misinformation, um, and then is it behind their back? Like if they were here in the room and we we're having the same conversation, w- would we go at it the same way, hammer and tongs on the ideas, um, disagreeing? If so, I mean, if we would, that's that's not gossip. It still may not be healthy, but it, it isn't gossip. Um, and then out of a bad heart. So why are we talking about this? Mm. Is this, is it, is it to correct something? Is it to help somebody? Um, is it just for entertainment to complain about somebody? Is it because I'm mad at them because they did this to me? You know, what, what's my intention for this speech? Yeah. And, and, and I guess I would just apply that to these kind of conversations, yeah. especially if, if we're talking about ideas um, and not about personalities or stories or, mm. um, you know, shameful things they did uh, or supposedly did. I think we're in much safer territory. No, yeah, that's good. That's a good word. Another, uh, I often encourage people too that if you're going to, even if it is an idea, and I think it's okay and, and there's ways to to address an idea without even throwing out the person's name or other stuff mm. like that that you can guard against. Because uh, I think what has what happens down the road, intentionally or unintentionally, even if our heart is right, sometimes the students that we're talking mm. to get the uh, a bad opinion about or a bad taste in yeah. the mouth about a person or an organization or something because yeah. maybe we're just not being as careful as we should. The other thing I always encourage people to do is, is talk to, try to talk to that person first before so you know uh a good friend of mine greg gifford i haven't heard anything greg said that's wrong or whatever but let's just say one of my students said did you hear what dr gifford said da, 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 da. and i just run with it and i start addressing mm. it in my classroom and tearing it apart mm. without going to greg and clarifying or having a conversation with him to to even know if that is what he said and then if mm. i do disagree give him like back and forth with him first before I take it to those students. Um, but then, yeah, feeling the freedom to address a bad idea that's out there. Cause we want to correct, we want to be truth tellers and speak the truth right. and that kind of thing. Anyway, uh, just, yeah. I mean, we can't do that with every idea and every yeah. thing that was yeah. ever taught. Absolutely. Um, and we don't have relationships with, I mean, you have a relationship with Dr. Gifford, but but you don't have with some guy in South America who writes a book that you're you're interacting with. 
Um, but I think the, the general principle there is the golden rule. You, if, if they were talking about your book or this thing you said in class, yep. how would you want your words to be handled? Um, and that's a great example for your students. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Matt, our time is out. It went really quickly. So thanks so much for mm -hmm. hanging out with us. I reserved the last two I minutes for a segment we call Two Minute Favorites, where I ask right. you about a bunch of your favorite stuff. Are you ready for this? I am ready for this. All right. What is your favorite food? Porcupine meatballs. What Not is, as exciting as it sounds. They're just meatballs and tomato sauce with rice sticking out of them to look like little quills. Uh, what is your favorite sport? Favorite sport? Basketball. Favorite sports team? The Lance Coach Pitch Little League team that my boys used to play on when they were little. All right. Favorite gift you've ever received? One time I had a major loan forgiven, and it was just at the right time for Heather Joy and me. That's what sticks mm. out. Favorite gift you've ever given? One Christmas I sent Heather Joy to Europe as her present. Three countries, including a visit to Paris, France. I made her cry. That's my favorite. <laughs> favorite word? I don't know if it's my favorite word, but the, the one that fits me is the Japanese word sundoku, and it means buying up books and then never reading them, acquiring more books than you can read. Least favorite word? I think it's sundoku. I don't like never getting around to reading those books. <laughs> favorite book in the Bible? I'm going to go with Philippians. I've preached through it now three times, including last summer during COVID, and it's like the fountainhead of my approach to gospel ministry. Hmm. Favorite book outside of Scripture? I'm going to go with a whole series. Heather Joy and I just adore the Lord Peter Whimsey Detective Mysteries by Dorothy mm. L. Sayers. And our favorite is the last one, but you kind of have to read all of them to get to them, the capstone, Busman's Honeymoon. Mm. Favorite color? Blue. Favorite Bible verse? John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in, you, you may have in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Mm. Favorite candy? Reese's Cups, or the homemade version is even better, what we call a Buckeye. Mm. Favorite ice cream flavor? Anything with peanut butter in it. If you could choose any superpower, what superpower would you choose? I'd like to be bitten by a radioactive spider, please. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, thank you so much, Matt. It was a pleasure to have you with us on 1514 today. It was great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.